Hello everyone, welcome to Yala Rocks. I'm your host Tiffany and I'm here for the first time outside of the bundle. For now, we'll be doing an episode every other week, bringing on dancers to talk about their practice and subjects related to it. We'll also be highlighting some community events that are happening. So if you know of a dancer or event that you'd like to learn from or see promoted, please do reach out and let me know. You can email me at any time at hello at thebellydancebundle.com. Today, we're kicking off our non-bundle episodes with Sabia. She's part of the team over at the amazing Asmara Initiative, and they're having their first ever event on November 14th. They'll be hosting an all-day workshop event with workshops from Brandy Asmara, Constance Winya, Omala Dune, and Chudney Rocks. Sabi and I are going to be talking about that event today, but also about something that I think we've all struggled with in our own way. How to take what we learn in a workshop and bring it back into our personal practice. Let's jump in. Welcome to Yala Rocks, the podcast that helps you design your personal practice. Today we have with us Sabia. Sabia, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. So you work with the Esmara Initiative. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that initiative and how, how it all came together? Because this is, this is a super exciting project that we're really happy to support and promote over here at the Billy Dance Bundle. Well, again, I'm so excited to be here and I am so excited to talk about the initiative. So the Asmara Belly Dance Initiative is a nonprofit organization that was founded um, over the summer. And we came together as six belly dancers of color because we really wanted to create a space for belly dancers of color to thrive, to have community and to just have their own space um, because although we have a very diverse dance community, there's a very disproportionate setup in it. So we wanted to create a space for dancers of color, and that has been our mission um, and that we live and we love every day. That's so awesome. And I know that there are so many dancers out there that appreciate this, like having this space to go to. It's hard in a dance world that is like dominated by white women that necessarily shouldn't be dominated by white women. It is. And I think we just wanted to, I think there's a lot of like self-policing that goes on in the community by dancers of color. Um, And we wanted to just, we wanted to break down those barriers so that people felt safe and they could truly just enjoy and embrace the dance and the culture, whether it's their culture as a person of color or they're coming from another background. And then we also wanted to afford um, our people the same opportunities that we see white dancers primarily get. Um, Instructors and performers who are incredible, but just aren't on the map in the same way, so. Absolutely, so tell us a little bit about the types of events that you all will be hosting through the initiative. So um, of course, you know, COVID does have an impact on that, Um, but we are going to, once it is safe to do so, have an in-person festival post-COVID. So our goal is to, again, have dancers of color there as the instructors, as the performer, and of course, as the students, um, and everyone is welcome, but to prioritize and put at the forefront those dancers. Um, We also are going to have um, educational spaces for people. We want to have talks and discussions online and in person when that's safe to do so, Um, and to have workshop opportunities um, for people to teach who want to get out there more, but also for people to learn, students. Um, So we really want to kind of offer 
just a plethora of things to dancers. Um, and our first event's actually coming up, which is really exciting. We're going to yeah. have a workshop series. That's awesome. I'm so excited. Um, on November 14th. So the times are going to be in Eastern Standard Time. We as an initiative are all over. Uh, we're in six different places, two different countries. Um, so everything will be on the Eastern Standard Time Zone. Um, but we're going to have four incredible instructors who are going to be teaching a wide variety of workshops. We have Chutney Rocks, who's going to be teaching. We have Amola Dune. I'm very excited to take a workshop with her. We have Constance teaching as well as Brandy Asmara. So they're all going to be bringing very different things to the table. Um, the workshop is just going to be all in one day. So you'll have breaks, of course, in between, but it'll be a back-to-back -back event that starts at 10 a.m. I love, I love all day zoom events. Yeah. Like to me, it just it allows you to like hang out with people in, in a way that we don't really get to so much anymore. So like you it can kind of give the festival format, but yeah, a little bit of it. And so you can, you know, in those breaks, you can chat with people and like hang out and then jump back into class. And like, I love, I love these all day events like that. We're very excited about it. Um, we also, I just want to speak to, um, because of our mission, we have BIPOC pricing. So for those um, who identify as BIPOC, you can reach out to us and I can go through, give Tiffany all the information and go through the blurb, but there are ways to reach out to us and we'll give you the discount. We also have a um, some hardship pricing. So for those of you who are, who are going through hardship and you want to reach out to us, you're welcome to as well. We really want to make dance accessible for people. That's our goal. Um, so I just want to put that out there as well. Like we want anybody who wants to come to this event to have the ability to access it. Um, so we'll, we'll do our best to work with everyone. I love, I love that. I think that that's right in the idea of creating a safe space, right? Some of that has to do with pricing. It has to be accessible. Right in order to be a safe space for everybody. So I love that you've taken that into account and are, are working that into your events as well. That's, that's absolutely fantastic. And we'll link all of that up in the show notes, everyone who's listening. So you can go straight to the initiative. You can check out what they do and everyone who's involved. And then we'll link up um, this particular workshop as well and ways to contact the initiative for that type of pricing if you need it. Savia, so with the way that the world has changed with COVID, right? Cause you guys were initially raising money just for the in-person festival and then everything right. changed, right? And now <laughs> we're here all pivoting, right? Doing things online instead. And there's something I've always found really interesting with dancers is how they take workshop material and translate it into their practices and their dances. And, you know, before when we were in person we were like cramming it all in, right. you know, we had the weekend and then it was like, how do I take all of that and like disperse it into my practice? But now like with online, it's a little more spread out. Sometimes we have recordings available so we can be a little bit more leisurely about it. But I'd really like to know for you as a dancer, right? And just like you personally, how, how did you take that information when you would go to these workshop weekends or when you would go to these events and you'd find these teachers you really loved? Like, how did you take that back into your dance? So pre-COVID? Pre-COVID. Well, pre-COVID and then post-COVID too. Post -COVID. Well, in, <laughs> okay. in, in the middle of COVID, I don't really feel like we're post-COVID. <laughs> True. Yeah. Pre-COVID and COVID. <laughs> um, so in, in the days of festivals and traveling and intermingling, um, 
I remember just being like overloaded in the best possible way with all sorts of dance material, going to festivals and um, going to like back-to-back classes. So back when we had that access, uh, what I would do for myself is I, my best way to come back to material was video. I'm a very um, visual learner, mm-hmm. but, you know, depending on the wishes of the instructor and also just my ability to film, I also would take notes um, and try to use those to go back and work on things. I found for me that taking things in chunks, like either combinations or sections with the music, um, if it wasn't in a combination format and just doing some repetitive work with it was helpful. Um, and when it was possible, the best practice method for me was practicing with other dancers. So I loved going to workshops and then getting together with local dancers and having that social moment, but also like running through the material again, because it's a totally different experience. Um, when you have someone else there doing it with you and you can give each other feedback and you've got two brains that are remembering the content. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was my favorite thing to do was to get together with actually two of the members of the initiative. We used to all, when we were in Atlanta, get together and we would go over workshop material or we would even take online material classes together mm-hmm. um, and then practice. So I like having that community um, or if I can't, having something to go back to that's documented. Um, so now that that's changed a little bit, um, (laughs) the, I, I do a lot of self-work and I think that it was a necessary transition for me, not to say that practicing other people's materials and technique isn't helpful. It's incredibly valuable, but I've forced myself in this time to just dance from me. So Mm -hmm. to practice things, practice my own combinations. Um, just work through things I've learned in the past without referencing notes or without referencing a video and just like working through how it feels. Um, And it's a different kind of practice, but I think that it's valuable because sometimes we get so caught up in um, looking for what other dancers are doing that we Mm -hmm. forget that we still have our own creative expression. So that's, that's been kind of my practice method lately is the last thing I did was I like, I picked a place that was really fun. I went to the park and I didn't have any music and I just danced. And that was practice for me. Um, and it's different now. And I miss my, you know, festivals and practicing with my friends, but I like this too. They both hold such important places, right? Like you said, it's like, there's they're studying with other people and getting their combos, getting, figuring out what their musicality is like, figuring out what they have to teach and then putting it all in your body through all the work and then ignoring it completely and doing your own thing because it's still there in the back of your head, influencing how you now listen to the music and how you put combos together and and how you, you do all of that. I love, I love that demarcation that you've kind of used this, this period of quarantine and, and shutdown for to kind of get back into the more personal portion of it. Because we are also dancers. <laughs> Sometimes right? I love learning so much. I'm like, wait, like I'm a dancer. I can come up with stuff. <laughs> I can practice my own stuff. With online learning now being the thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's where everybody's at. How do you think it really changes? Because it you removes, it puts a layer in between the community aspect that you were speaking of before from the pre-COVID days. But how do you feel that it changes how people absorb it and practice the material? Do you think it does? 
I, I do. I've heard from other dancers that they've had that experience. I can speak to that experience for myself. Um, I think that, how do I put it? I feel like because of the situation we're in, things are a lot more amplified, but also a lot simpler. And what I mean by that is we're forced, um, whether we're essential workers or we're at home or working from home, we are forced to really look at how we spend our time. And we have a lot of time to reflect on that. We don't have as many distractions to run off to. So I think that that's been helpful in helping people like prioritize what they want to do, including mm -hmm. dance practices. I also understand that that can be kind of limiting though, too. So I think I'm more aware and mindful and intentional because I'm not squirrel momenting <laughs> everywhere, but I do sometimes feel like I'm missing out on some things. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that answers the question, but yeah, I just, I think that people seem to have gone two ways with it, right? It's now that everything's online, people are either diving like into the deep end and taking as many events yeah. and, and things as they can because now they're available where they necessarily wouldn't have been before because either that teacher wasn't online or they didn't have the funds and the time to travel to do all of these different workshops you, but now right we can we can take all of those with us or they're kind of going to the other side of it and just not engaging as much in the dance, whether that's for, you know, mental health reasons around everything that's been going on or just, you know, taking a step back. And like you said, it's like when people look at their time and how they spend their time, it's like, mm -hmm. there's, there seem to be like two factions. There's the faction that's like, well, I got all this time. Now I'm going to dance a lot. And then there's right. the other people who are like, okay, I'm going to be choosier about what exactly I'm spending my time on in the dance space. I think there's an accessibility piece to that too on like both sides of the coin. I'm really happy that this period of time has really like forced us to create more accessibility. So I think yes. dancers who can't travel to festivals, um, maybe can't afford the plane ticket, but really wanted to see somebody or they're just not linked up in the same time zone, they can access a lot more dancers online and they can take classes. Um, the other flip side of that, which is kind of where I'm at, is um, as somebody working in a hospital almost six days a week, as there's all these great opportunities because everyone's at home, but I'm not. I'm actually at work more because of COVID, so it kind of makes me sad, and I know I'm not the only one. There's a lot of people out there that don't have time because of this to take advantage, so it's, you know, it, it's got its benefits and its losses for everyone. It means that that when you do take something though, Sabia, you gotta, you gotta take it. Yeah. And I have to really choose what I take because <laughs> I don't have a lot of time. <laughs> so when now, right. You said in, in this post, not post COVID in the COVID times, I keep yeah. wanting to say post COVID keep manifesting the post COVID, <laughs> right. Though. We'll just put it out there <laughs> that you're practicing more for yourself. So when you do get a chance to take these workshops, how are you then filtering that into a practice that doesn't necessarily go back to that workshop, but still is still inspired by it and pulling things from it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think it kind of goes back to what you were saying about like, I don't remember exactly how you said it, but like things get stored away. Yeah. So I feel like I've built up all these skill sets and I've trained with all these amazing instructors. And now instead of looking back to like that exact combo or that exact choreography I learned, I'm just using the things out of my toolbox and putting them into my own, like, I don't know, my dance blender, I guess. Like I'm just I like I'm having 
come out as me now. I'm not doing that person's combo or dance. I'm using their tips and techniques and their combinations to create my own dances. So for dancers who are listening, who aren't at that point, right? Cause that's, that's like a, that's a level I think that you hit once you've taken enough classes, once you've, you've gotten it into the back of your brain, they want to do that. Mm-hmm. I know lots of dancers who are like, that's, that's the level of like finding your own style and working on these things in your own style. But so many dancers, you hear them say like, I don't know how to find my style. I don't know. Like they're stuck. There's like a road, there's like a wall yeah. in between what you're describing and where these, these particular dancers are. What, what advice do you have for them? How do they break that wall down? I think what helped me is realizing when I see things that I like that dancers are doing, of course, I admire the dancer, um, but taking it a little step further and not just admiring the dancer, but figuring out like, why am I gravitating towards these particular dancers? Is it because when I do the moves they move, they do, I like how they look on me or they feel good, or I like the way it feels to like emulate that type of emotion or energy. And then I take that information and I use it to know, like to build what my style is. So I had to learn, like, I loved a lot of dancers that were very interactive, sensual, um, like warm and friendly in their dance style. And I realized the reason I kept gravitating, gravitating to those dancers was I felt comfortable being that way as a dancer. So mm-hmm. I started to build on what that looked like for me. So that's kind of the advice I would give is like, find the people you like and then figure out what qualities you keep getting drawn to in the dance world. I love that you, you had like, it wasn't that you saw them do that and you enjoyed it. So you attempted to emulate it so much as you realized you kept being drawn to these same things because it's what you liked to do. Like you were already doing it. You just hadn't realized that that was quote unquote, like your style. And I think sometimes things are easy for us, but sometimes they're natural for us too. And I think there's a difference. Like I like certain moves because they're easy, but I also realize that certain moves just come naturally to me because I enjoy them and they work on my body and they work on my personality. So I think what happens so much with those is they start off feeling good. They just feel better than other moves when we're starting. And so we practice them more and then they become like a natural part of our dance, but we didn't notice any of that happening and then we're like six years down the line and we look back and we're like oh I see what happened here (laughs) (laughs) I do this every like eight counts (laughs) this is my go-to right (laughs) those are the best though and I do think that that they're such building blocks for our style and I like I said I love that what you're saying it's like you were already doing it it was like a roadmap to yourself but from other people right And some of that stuff's from my earliest dance days. Like I had this amazing teacher in Florida. She doesn't belly dance anymore, but I'm gonna shout her out anyways. Leela was amazing. And there's a move she taught me. I think I was like within my first two years of dance. I do that move more than any move. (laughs) And it's become like a diff, it's transformed over the years and it weaves in and out of other dance moves. So something about it just really resonated with me. And it's also nice because it's like you have a little piece of those instructors with you. So I always like think about her when I do it. I totally think that that happens because my first like serious dance teacher, her like signature move, quote unquote, that she did all the time also is like in my dance. And it's gotten 
to be less and less of it as the years go on, but every now and then it like pops out. And whenever it pops out, I'm like, oh, that's Nicole. (laughs) (laughs) And you just see these little pieces of, of other people, but filtered through you to create something brand new. And I think that's okay. Like, I think people get really nervous. I used to at least about like your style being super unique. And like, I don't want to look like I'm like taking someone else's work, but the reality is like, this is an art form. So you're going to always be in a way imitating others. Um, As long as you're doing it ethically and you're you know, mindful about it, it's okay. Like you're still going to have, it's going to look different on you because nobody's you. Um, You just have to be careful about like giving credit. And also, you know, like you were saying, like building, building it into who you are and not getting so stuck in just like copying another instructor. Yeah. I think it's different too. Like what we're talking about is pulling from like multiple people. Right. Whereas, you know, copying one dancer's style, like so specifically like that you can tell is like what's mm-hmm. what's going on but when you take like all of the influences of your life and turn it into your dance then it it is unique it's you, it's you even though it's pulling these pieces from everywhere else plus all the things that you've brought to it it's something different than like loving a dancer and copying their style right which is it's super interesting so these workshops that are happening this weekend can you tell us some of the topics that they'll be teaching? Some of the some of the little pieces people can look forward to putting into their dances going forward? Okay, so our first class of the day is going to be at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time with Chetney Rocks. I am super excited about her class. Um, she's going to be teaching dynamic mejance. So I know that's been a really popular topic for dancers. I'm just going to give you guys the meat and potatoes of her workshop from her description. So she's going to go through um, what Mejance is and walk the class through that. Um, And then she's going to, in the workshop, have us all learn the parts that make up the Mejance, as well as learn a short and exciting entrance. So you'll get to really learn the um what it is and the ins and out of it ins and outs of it and then you'll get to apply it um the next class is going to be at 12 p.m eastern standard time and it's going to be with brandy asmara she's one of our lovely initiative members um so if you didn't get the opportunity to see it or be a part of it she did a really dynamic um drum solo that people could learn and then record and she made a contemplation of them So she's going to be teaching another amazing drum solo that any dancer who attends the workshop will have the opportunity to film themselves and participate in a second drum solo video. Um, So that's going to be Brandy's workshop. And then we're gonna get into the afternoon with Constance. Um, For my fusion lovers, she's doing an Afro-fusion choreography at 2 p.m. She's gonna be incorporating um, Pan-African vernacular and street dances found throughout the continent. Um, she's also going to be incorporating hip hop, house, and jazz funk. So great for fusion lovers. And if you want to get into fusion, it's a really good um, class to jump into. And then at 4 p.m., we're going to have Amala Dune. She's going to be teaching Asaya and Saidi techniques. She will have modifications for those who don't have a prop, um, but she'll talk about the foundational technique and teach some fun combinations. So that's going to be our wonderful workshop day. I'm very excited. It sounds like so many great pieces to take away. Yeah. So much stuff to, to really practice. And it it's varied in the topics as well, which I really, really enjoy because you get to try so many different things in a day. 
and it like it makes it yeah. I think more interesting to stick around for the whole the whole thing and I love that there's a performance opportunity as well because like I said yeah. it's like you guys are figuring out how to bring that workshop feel the in-person workshop feel in to this and that's one of those things that you know we get to do is dance together and I'm excited about Great. it. I did the first one and it was a lot of fun. And I, it, I think it'll make people feel like they can kind of get on stage again. So mm -hmm. that's so awesome. Well, Sabia, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, for sharing, you know, how you've worked through creating your style and how you've worked through taking information from workshops and really putting it into your practice. Cause I think that's something that so many dancers I've spoken to struggle with is that they take these workshop weekends, but then they don't necessarily know what to do with that information. Um, so right. I love that we, we gave a different, a couple of different options really for people to, to take things like the Asmara initiative workshops and then go home and really work it into, well, go home, stay home and work it into <laughs> their practices. I really appreciate you having me on here and letting me represent our amazing nonprofit. And I enjoy talking about different dance things with you. I miss connecting with other dancers. It's always a good time. So everyone check out the show notes page. I will link up this event. I'll link up the Asmara initiative and I'll also link up their GoFundMe page. Thank you. So if you want to donate to this amazing, amazing, amazing group of dancers who are doing fantastic things for the community, then you can go and do that there. Um, all of that information will be coming after the break. Sabia, thank you so much. I have one last question for you. I'm going to keep it going from the bundle times. If you, um, if you're, if you have a story for us, I would like to know where is the strangest place that you have ever danced? Ooh, that's a fun question. Okay. Practice counts if you need it to. Strangest place I've ever danced. Hmm. Um, so I would say the strangest place I've ever danced is a paint and sit party. Okay. So we get together and you do the painting. They, um, it was a fine art studio I used to work for. So they were like, well, you're a belly dancer and we want entertainment. So while people paint and sip, you can come dance. So I ended up teaching, um, and performing and also painting. <laughs> so it was a lot of fun. Did but they paint you? We painted a belly dancer. Okay. I would like to think it was me. That's up to their interpretation. I was like, it was like, it'd be so hard to like paint something and drink and watch a dancer at the same time. That's, that's it a, was a lot. Multitasking. That's very complex. It's a very dynamic evening. Did, were you wearing your costume while painting? Yes. This I just dangerous. on and off. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I would cover myself so I didn't get paint on my costume and then I would get up and dance and then I would sit down again. It was a lot, but it was fun. that sounds like an amazing time. Savia, yeah. thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you thank for you. being part of this. I really think it's going to be community changing initiative, like allowing this safe space and creating it for people, I think is going to, is going to make everybody so much more open and into being able to do the things they want to do without, like you said, having to self-police or be aware of all of that garbage. They can just learn and be there right. in that, in that place. And that's fantastic. So that's thank you fun. so much for your work in this. Thanks for having me. Bye. Sabia had some amazing tips for bringing it back to your home practice Everyone approaches this differently, and it's so awesome to dive into different perspectives. 
How do you take things back from a workshop and integrate them into your personal practice? I want to know. So head over and comment on our Insta or Facebook posts to share your stories. I've linked up the event this weekend, the Asmara Initiative social pages, and the GoFundMe up on the show notes for this episode, which you can find at thebellydancebundle.com 60. If you aren't able to attend this weekend, or even if you are, consider donating to this amazing initiative. All dancers deserve support and a safe space to learn, and this is your chance to take action towards that future. In addition to our episodes here at Yalla Rocks, we'll also be running challenges and raffles to go along with each episode whenever we can. I've got a little task for you over on Instagram. I will randomly draw one person who submits an entry to win access to a workshop of their choice from this event. So head over and get practicing. I'm so excited to be back with you. And like I said, let me know who you would like to hear from next. If you want to hear more from the amazing dancers involved in this event and the Asmara Initiative, you can check out our previous episode with Chudney. It was episode 47. Or you can check out the Belly Dance Business Academy. They'll be hosting an Ask Me Anything with Brandy Asmara, another team member of the Asmara Initiative. I've linked that up on the show notes page as well. So check out thebellydancebundle.com 60 for links to everything. And I will talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.